What's doing, everybody? Today is Thursday, November 9th. Republicans get shellacked at the ballot box on Election Day. Vivek Ramaswamy wins the third GOP debate. And Senator Ted Cruz joins me on the podcast today to talk about his new book, Unwoke. I'm Alec Lace. This is The Alec Lace Show. The American family is under attack. Parents are the underdog of this nation. Your children are being indoctrinated. That's right. Your children. They do not belong to the state. They do not belong to the school system. They belong to you, the parents, as a blessing from God our Father. So let's preserve, protect, and fight for the American family together. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. The future is family. Welcome, everybody, to the Alec Lay Show. I'm happy and honored, as always, to be here with you guys. Thank you for joining the broadcast. If you're watching live here on the Rumble channel, get down there and hit that share button. Let's get as many people into the broadcast as possible. And while you're down there, hit the follow button. I got a lot of action to bring you guys today. Got a great interview coming your way here. Senator Ted Cruz joins me on the podcast. Now, obviously, uh, it was a, a, a bit of a sad day. Uh, on election day, it was an embarrassment for the Republicans. Uh, the GOP was buried uh, where it mattered most, and that being Kentucky, uh, Ohio, and Virginia. We lost pretty much every key race that we everybody had their eyes on, and we lost the key issues as well. So it was an all-around just a, a, a red bloodbath on election day. So I'm going to get into that. Also, the GOP debate was last night. I hope this is the last one. I don't know how many more of these things they're going to do or have. But I think Vivek Ramaswamy came away the clear winner. Uh, he was on fire last night. I think he blew the field away. He was very well prepared. Uh, he came out uh, taking no prisoners. So I'm going to go, break down the debate, share some clips of that as well after I bring you the interview here with Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, now, Senator Ted Cruz is out with a, with a brand new book. It's called Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. And we have got a problem with this Marxist ideology in this country. And I think where we failed on Election Day, too, is, and I'm going to talk about this a little later in the, in the broadcast today, is just that we are not focusing on the issues that we need to be focusing on. One of them is this wokeness stuff that is going on in the country. What is wokeness? Well, I can show you here. Look at this picture here of this uh, children's book. In My Daddy's Belly, The Miracle of Male Birth. Okay, th this is what we're talking about. Like, if you're unsure how to explain woke to your kids, this is the perfect book to show them, to say, this is what wokeness is all about here. Th do you see what it says here on the title about my daddy's belly? And they're telling you there's a baby in daddy's belly. This is something that's never happened in the history of mankind. It's something that will never happen in the history of mankind. Yet they're trying to tell you uh, that this is legit. And they're trying to make you uh, warp the reality of our children is what they're trying to do here. There never has been nor will there ever be a pregnant man on the face of the earth. But they're trying to shove this type of stuff down your throat. And this is where... The GOP or the Republicans need to focus because we, we, you know, we're getting we're getting way too close to the 2024 election. And as we saw on Election Day, we are not prepared uh, for what is coming, despite what the polls may say. Uh, and again, we've seen that the polls mean nothing uh, when, when every time it comes to election time, we're like, oh, well, let's look at the polls. Let's look at the polls. And then the election happens and it goes completely against everything that the polls said. So why do we keep showing these polls anyway? It's ri ri ridiculous. I, I guess whoever sponsors it or someone's making money on the polls, uh, that's the only reason why we showed them. I would trust the Vegas odds more than I would trust 
the polls that are being done. So we, we saw that the polls didn't matter uh, on Election Day. But uh, getting back to this wokeness stuff, this uh, the, the parents right now, as I keep saying, are the underdog in this country. And they're the focal point here at 2024. They got to be the ones to save this country. And so that's why we got to focus on these issues like the stuff that's coming into your kids' classrooms. I spoke about a lot of that on the previous episode here on Tuesday when I had Betsy DeVos join me here, the former education secretary. Uh, we have got to watch what's going on in our kids' classrooms. We have got to be, as parents, the gatekeepers of our kids' minds uh, to watch and monitor what's going in and, and, and who is putting what into their minds. And, of course, we got to watch with all this uh, women having to share locker rooms with men. These are issues that got to be focused on heavily. All right, so we're going to talk about all this stuff right now. We're going to jump into it. I got Senator Cruz joining me here. And now I, I did do an, an awesome interview last year with Senator Cruz on First Class Fatherhood, all about his fatherhood journey. It was really great to have him on that podcast. Now it's going to be an honor to have him here on the Alec Lay Show talking about his new book, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. The link to the book is down there in the description below. Grab yourself a copy. It just came out this week, came out on Tuesday. Uh, so let's do this here. Let's bring Senator Cruz. Joining me now, Senator Ted Cruz. Welcome to the Alec Lay Show. Alec, great to be with you. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to have you here, Senator. Last time I spoke to you was on First Class Fatherhood. I've been doing that podcast for five years, switched over now uh, to talk about this political nonsense that's going on in our country. Can't keep my mouth shut about it anymore. You've got an important book in this right now, uh, out today, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. Why this book? Why now? Well, because we're seeing an assault on, on the fundamental foundations of our nation. Uh, and and it is we have seen the radical left capture each and every institution that that controls thought in America. So the book the book begins by by focusing on universities and 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 the the, the beginning is I, I call universities the Wuhan lab of the woke virus. It, it's where the virus was created. It's where it mutated. It's where it spread. And it began in universities, and then it expanded. And each chapter in the book takes a different institution that's been captured by the radical left. So it goes to K through 12 education. It goes to journalism. It goes to big business. It goes to big tech. It goes to entertainment, movies and TVs and sports and music. Uh, it, 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 it goes to science. And then the last chapter of the book is on China. And China is really a nexus that connects all of them that you see each of these institutions consistently getting in bed with, with communist China, being funded by communist China. And this is an assault really on who we are in America. It's an assault on our free enterprise system. It's an assault on our constitution. And so this book walks you through how the radical left has taken over each of these institutions, and it lays out strategies for how we can fight back. Well, Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America, out today. Link is down there in the description below. And, Senator, for so many Americans, I think, they kind of woke up one day and all of a sudden there was a grown man using the same bathroom as their daughter. Or yeah. all of a sudden their daughter came home and said, hey, Dad, there's a guy on the swim team. And they were just kind of like, what? How did this happen? So take me back to the beginning of this, Senator. I know this didn't just start this year. So where was the first time we seen this Marxism, this ideology, really start to take hold in America? Well, well, you have to go back to, to the beginnings of, of, of Marxism. When Karl Marx is writing the Communist Manifesto, when you have early Marxists, you have the beginnings of communist revolutions. Then you go to the 1960s and the 1970s, and you see Marxists in the United States 
trying to engage in, in the violent overthrow. You see terrorist groups like the Weather Underground carrying out bombings. But but that didn't work. You've got the 1968 Democrat convention where you have violent clashes with the police and they discovered suddenly, wait a second, if we engage in massive acts of violence, it turns the people against us. And they began instead what the Marxists referred to as the long march through the institutions. Instead of trying to violently tear them down, they began to infiltrate the inf institutions. The universities is where it started. And, and I'm sorry to say my alma mater, uh, Harvard was 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 ground zero, where the faculty became filled with Marxists, and and it initially focused on Marxism uh, as an economic poli and political philosophy for government control of the economy, forced redistribution, government ownership of property. But from there, it mutated into critical legal studies, which was viewing all of law through the lens of Marxism. And from there, it mutated into critical race theory, which Marx viewed the world as an inevitable conflict between the haves and the have-nots, but between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie, the, the, the workers and the owners of capital. What critical race theory did is it looked at that same lens, but instead of looking at class, instead of looking at wealth, it looks at race and it frames the entire world as an inevitable battle between races and 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 between the oppressed races and the oppressor races and and that has now it moved from Harvard Law School and Harvard School of Education it moved into the schools of education all across the country and teachers began being taught this and now we're seeing in K through 12 education our children being spread this poison, being spread that, that America is inherently and irredeemably racist, that the answer is to be, quote, anti-racist, which is a euphemism for actively and aggressively discriminating. The view of the, of the hard left is that government and every institution should discriminate against the oppressors in favor of the oppressed. That's what becomes then things like Black Lives Matter and, and I got to say, we're seeing we're, we're seeing war in the Middle East and the horrible atrocities that, that, that Hamas has been carrying out against Israel. One of the results of it is it is made bare to everyone just what a vicious Marxist anti-Semitic organization Black Lives Matter is. It was founded by Marxists and they hate Israel. And, and one of the striking things, and I talk about all of this in the book, is how corporate America eagerly funded Black Lives Matter, sent millions of dollars to Black Lives Matter, a communist and viciously anti-Semitic group. And, and, and I do think the more that gets exposed, the more we have the potential to move things back. And I do think, Senator, a lot of people woke up when they saw that because I and, and you know what, too, for years they told us that Trump was a Nazi. Trump supporters are, are, are Nazis. Uh, Trump is actually Hitler himself reborn. But then all of a sudden, when Hamas butchered the Israelis, all of a sudden, the people on the left saw that all of the anti-Semitism was coming from within their own party, coming from their own side. And it's got to be that they got to be scratching their head and saying, wait a second. I thought we were fighting against the Nazis here. We've been duped. We've been had here. You know, they got bamboozled by these Black Lives Matter people who just use that terminology. And that's the thing, Senator, is that wording. Black Lives Matter. Well, how can you go against something that says that? And so they they pull you in with some. They seduce you by that. And then they, they put this ideology into you, man. And it's, it is dangerous 
what they've been able to accomplish in this country. Not just big companies that yeah. donated, regular hardworking people that donated to them. Yeah, look, that, that that is exactly right. And you had regular people who initially started marching with Black Lives Matter. And look, that proposition to Black Lives Matter, absolutely, of course, <laughs> that, that that is a truism. But but there's a difference between that phrase that is absolutely true and that organization whose founders were all avowed Marxists. They were openly anti-Semitic from the beginning. They argued for the abolition of private property in America. They argued for the abolition of the, nucle- of the nuclear family. You, Alec, you do a tremendous job focusing on fatherhood. We, we need strong fathers. We need strong mothers. Kids need parents who are leaders who, who raise them up and, and love them and nurture them and support them. Well, Marxists view the family as getting in the way. And, and I'll tell you, Alec, the, the book starts with a story. Uh, you, you know, my dad is from Cuba. My father fought in the Cuban Revolution. He actually fought on the side of Fidel Castro. He was a kid. He was a 14-year-old fighting in the revolution. And, and when he was 17, my dad was thrown in prison. He was tortured as a teenager. And, and, and what the book describes is after that, after that happened, the revolution in Cuba succeeded in 1959. And communist always start with the children. So the people fighting with Fidel Castro were people like my dad, 14 and 15 year old boys who didn't know any better. Once Castro succeeded, they began focusing on the children. So I tell the story of my grandmother, my abuela. She was a sixth grade teacher. My abuela told me about how Castro's goons came into the schools and they'd go into the kindergartens and the first grades. And they tell all the kids there in the class, close your eyes and pray to Jesus Christ and ask for candy. And and all the kids would do so. They'd open their eyes, there'd be no candy. And then the soldiers would tell the children, close your eyes and pray to Fidel Castro for candy. And they'd close their eyes and the soldiers would quietly slip a piece of candy on each child's desk. That is what Marxism is. They begin with four and five and six-year-olds. They begin poisoning the minds of the children. The book walks through how Che Guevara in, in Cuba focused very directly that if you give me the children, I will have the nation. We are seeing that when, when our children are being told that there are 57 genders or 157 genders or I can't keep up with it, when our children are being told that if you wake up one day and you think you're a girl or you think you're a boy or you think you're a Tyrannosaurus Rex, whatever you think you are, that's what you are. And and mind you, you then have a medical complex that makes millions of dollars sterilizing young children, performing genital mutilation. This is bizarre. Alec, five years ago, if I'd have told you that, that you would see the radical left sterilizing children in America you would have said, come on, that's ridiculous. Nobody would go there. And so you're right. A lot of people are looking around going, how did we get here? How did this happen? I don't recognize this nuttiness. Well, what this book does is it walks through precisely how we got here, but then it also walks through successful efforts to push back. And that's what we've got to do is we've got to stand up and push back. And we've got to take America back. I believe we will but it takes people getting engaged. This book is about informing you and preparing you to fight back against the madness that's tearing America down. 
And, and not for nothing, Senator, if, like five, 10 years ago, if you told people about this genital mutilation that's going on, even the Democrats would be like, sure. you got to be out of your mind. Yeah. Like they, they're not going for this either. And you know what's what's interesting is today, parenting, if you spank your child, they call it child abuse. But if you yeah. change their gender, it's called heroic. And, and these are the way that these things have flip flopped. And, and just to get back into the universities, because my oldest son, I got four kids. My oldest son is a senior in high school. Yeah. So we're sitting here right now worried about all of this because we know we see what's coming out of this university factory. The kids are hating America, hating the police, hating capitalism. They've got Trump derangement syndrome. They get they develop no skill sets in order to get out there and earn money to pay back the loans that they, they took out. And now they want the uneducated Americans. They're begging for them to pay off these loans. And it's what do the parents do right now because is there a safe place in the college field to send your kid and now no, not for nothing the liberal dads and, par- and moms out there they're not worried about their kids coming out of college no. draped in the american flag and full of pride now look it, it's an enormous problem as as you know my girls are 12 and 15 and, and heidi and i struggle with it do, do you pay a half million dollars to send your kid to an institution to train them to hate you and to hate america and and that's a really frightening dynamic and 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 i don't have a great answer to it. We see some progress going forward. We see things, there are institutions like like a Hillsdale College that that, that are an oasis in an otherwise desert that is starving. We do see people pushing back. So so for example, um, one of the stories I tell in the book is is, uh, a, a federal appellate judge, Kyle Duncan, went to Stanford Law School to give a speech. And these radical leftists began speaking out and began screaming and yelling and insulting him and cursing at him and, and, and saying, I hope your, your daughters are raped. I mean, it was vicious, vile. It was the hatred of the modern left. And mind you, these are law students who are studying to be lawyers who apparently cannot behave with any modicum of civility in front of a sitting federal judge. If you tried doing what they did as a lawyer, you would be arrested, you would be held in contempt of court, and you would be sent to jail. And you'd be disbarred. That, that would be the consequence as a lawyer. But these law students, they don't understand because they've been trained to be little Marxist agitators. And then what happens, Stanford Law School, Stanford University has a free speech policy in which they ostensibly protect free speech. And so an administrator, the associate dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion, she was there and Judge Duncan thought, okay, great. The dean is going to enforce the policy. Well, no, that's not what happened. She stood up and read this written speech she had given where she was just blasting the judge for daring to be a conservative. And and, and the phrase she kept using is, is the juice worse the squeeze? These students here are in pain. You are hurting them. No, ma'am, she is not hurting them. Speech is not violence, despite what Marxists say. And by the way, that's their justification for censoring people who argue against their atrocities. They say speech is violence. No, you know what's violence? When Hamas decapitates Israeli infants, that's violence. Speech is not. Well, the aftermath of that, this was all horrifying. But there are several things I recount in the book that are important that happened. Number one, shockingly, both the president of Stanford and the dean of the law school denounced what happened. Secondly, that associate dean was fired, which is astonishing. I sent a letter to the president and, and, and the dean of the law school calling on that associate dean to be fired and calling on those students to be disciplined. 
They did fire the dean, but I'll tell you what I also describe. I sent a letter to the Texas State Bar. Uh, the chief justice of the Texas Supreme Court, Nathan Heck, someone I know very well. And I said, look, given that Stanford Law School has students who are actively harassing and attacking federal judges, one of the elements of becoming a member of the bar, becoming an attorney, is you, is you have to, to pass character and fitness. You have to demonstrate you have the character and fitness to be an attorney. And frankly, if you can't sit in front of a federal judge and not scream epithets and, and scream that, that, that you hope his daughters are raped, you're not fit to be a lawyer. And, and so I encouraged the Texas Bar to require of every Stanford graduate for the next three years for them to disclose whether they took part in that outrageous harassment of a judge. And astonishingly enough and encouragingly enough, the Texas Bar did exactly that. Chief Justice Heck wrote me back and said, look, given what's happening at Stanford Law School, given what's happening at Yale Law School, where the same thing is happening, we are going to inquire independently. We are going to examine whether students have participated in this sort of disgraceful behavior. And if they are, they're not going to be deemed fit to be members of the Texas Bar. And so many of these things almost seem like they would be common sense not that long ago, Senator. Yeah. And now it's like you have to go through all of this just to get it get it out in the open. And another one of these industries is Hollywood, because we've yeah. seen this. Now, one thing is the actors, they become all activists like, you, you know, so we see and nobody is more anti-gun than Hollywood. Yet they can't make a single movie without gun violence. And they'll tell you that the NRA is making a fortune off gun violence when they don't make a drop in the bucket compared to the money that Hollywood is making off Hollywood uh, uh, gun violence. They can't make a movie without people getting shot in every single one. Even in the kid movies, there's gun violence. But yet they stand out against it. They're against, the climate change cult is right in Hollywood. It's incorporated into all the movies that they make. So where did this thing make the transition into Hollywood? Because I don't remember like watching, maybe this has always been, I don't know, but when did Hollywood kind of take this Marxist ideology and start pumping it into their movies? Well, look, it's, it's the same young, woke Marxist who came into entertainment. And, and listen, Hollywood has always leaned left, but what has happened in the last decade is qualitatively different. They view their role as active indoctrination. They view their role as propagandists. They're, they're no, they no longer even view their role as artists. They no longer tell stories. So, so instead, everything is about, and the book walks through how you've got the, the, these Marxist writers who are now writing, writing children's cartoons, spewing violence, spewing, uh, spewing garbage about how, how America is irredeemably racist. This is being shown to children on Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, and it is, and what's amazing is, is you're seeing Hollywood profits go down because more and more Americans are saying, I don't want to watch this garbage. Look, what does Hollywood sell? It sells rampant violence. It sells uh, wanton sex. It, it sells immorality. It sells, um, it, it sells godlessness. And when was the last time you saw a, a, a business owner portrayed positive? Any capitalist, anyone who creates jobs, is always the bad guy 100% of the time. Yeah. They are the person, look, I'm actually glad if they're just a crook and stealing because half the time they're actually poisoning kids. And, and, and you look at what America is, what Hollywood is in the business of doing is telling the story that America is evil and oppressive, telling the Marxist story. 
And, and one of the things I walk through in the book also, there is a significant component of this tied to China because Hollywood is eagerly letting communist China censor their films. Hollywood, they want to sell their movies in China. The Chinese communists demand that they change the films to accord with what the communist censors demand. And, and, and it is, but I also talk about how you can successfully fight back. So I describe, for example, a bill that I authored and passed into law called the Script Act. Now, the Script Act says, if a movie company allows communist China to censor what they produce, that they are ineligible to use federal government assets in making that film. So there are a lot of movies where the federal government lets them use assets. Think Top Gun, think any military movie where you've got a jet, you've got a ship, you've got a tank, you, you've got a border patrol helicopter. There's all sorts of, of federal government equipment that the government allows Hollywood to use in the filming of a movie. And the Script Act says, look, if you're going to give over creative control of your movie to the Chinese communists, the federal government's not going to participate and you're not going to get access to any of that material. Well, that, that bill passed in December of last year, and we've now got the Department of Defense promulgating rules that, that, that hopefully will push Hollywood back from active censorship. But that's what this book is all about. It's finding ways, lever points to press back. And, and I got to say, when it comes to Hollywood, one of the most critical, and, and I call for this in multiple places in the book, is we need to see capitalists, people who've done well in business, who, who, who've made money, investing in the organs of transmission of ideas. And in particular, we need to see new movie studios created. We need to see someone go and buy a network. We need to go and see, we've allowed all of these institutions to be controlled by the radical left. And you don't have to get them all back. You just need a beachhead. And, and I got to tell you, Alec, one of the most encouraging chapters is the chapter on, on big business, because it describes how big business has become woke and weaponized and, and the economic arm of enforcement for the radical left. But then it does a deep dive on Bud Light and Target. And you look at Bud Light. Bud Light was really quite extraordinary. It was the number one selling beer in America. And then the woke marketing advertisers decided that they wanted Dylan Mulvaney, a man who claims he's a girl, to be their spokesperson to put, to put Dylan Mulvaney's face on the beer can. And the result was extraordinary. I can't think of a time when a company, number one, has destroyed its brand more rapidly, or number two, has demonstrated more contempt for its customers. They look down on their customers as a bunch of ignorant rubes that we, your moral betters who know better than you, are going to teach you that you ought to be really happy with a man who thinks he's a little girl hanging around your children. That ought to make you excited. And it is stunning the billions of dollars Bud Light dropped. It's not even in the top 10 beers in America. Actually, Modelo right now, a Mexican beer is the number one beer in America. And Bud Light's dropped out. And look, I, I got to say, you go to a sporting event, you know, last year at the World Series, I'd have a Bud Light in my hand. You look at you look at a baseball game now, there's not a single person in the yeah. stadium holding a Bud Light. And and that that has power, the ability to press back. And one of the confirmations of the power of it is when Target was caught again doing the same thing, marketing 
and, and pushing the radical transgender agenda, selling selling bathing suits for, for two and three-year-old boys that are tuck-friendly so they can hide their genitalia and pretend to be little girls. This stuff is sick. And this is targeted at two and three-year-old kids. The backlash was enormous. But what's fascinating, Alec, you look at, at the, the conference calls with the senior executives at Target, and you know what they were saying? We don't want to be another Bud Light. Don't, we don't want to go down the road of Bud Light. That's good. Yeah. We need to change the dynamic so the next corporate executives say, all right, the costs are too great. Let's not do this nonsense. And not for nothing, too, Dylan Mulvaney was just awarded man of uh, woman of the year, right? They give a man a woman of the year. We're seeing uh, female, female pageants being won by yeah. men, and that people are allowing this to happen. Uh, but and I, just one last thing on the Hollywood, I would love to see these actors that were in the in the actor strike say, you know what? Part of our deal is we don't have another single gun or gunshot in our movies, and we'll never make another nickel off gun violence. If they really cared about gun violence, they would make that uh, you know admission into the into the work. But anyway, I know we're running up against the clock here. Uh, unwoke, how to defeat cultural Marxism in America. Link is down there below. Listen, Senator, right now, we are looking at a country that is fatherless, that is godless, and that is lawless. And those three things are just completely crippling our country. So I know in the book, you're going to go through the solution set on how to win this win this country back and, the, and win the minds back, especially the youth in this country. But give me something positive to leave on here. How do we get this turned around in a simple capsule form? What's the way forward? Well, listen, I will say you, you talked about fatherless, godless, and lawless. That's not accidental. That is the objective of the Marxist. Marxist revolutions across this country, they want to destroy the nuclear family like Black Lives Matter does. They want to destroy God and religion like the soldiers coming into the to the universities, to, to the kindergarten classes in Cuba did. And they want to destroy the rule of law. They want to make the state all-powerful. This is part of the Marxist ideology, and it's what we've seen suffusing our institutions. What this book is all about is it's telling war stories of successfully fighting back. And, and, and the answer to successfully fight back, we've got to take these institutions back. We've got to enhance the cost to these institutions giving over to an ideology that is tearing down America. And we're making progress, but this is a battle what we've got to do, frankly, Alec, is awaken people who are asleep. The millions, the silent majority in America who don't agree with this nonsense. Look, look, we have a Supreme Court justice who can't answer the question, what is a woman? And the reality is everybody knows what a woman is. You look at Leah Thomas, the, 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 the male swimmer who, who says he's female. Everyone looks at Leah Thomas and says, that guy's a dude. He, he's got a chest and arms like Michael Phelps, and, and you know, every person, even the radical leftists who's spouting these talking points, they know it's nonsense. And so we need a re resurgence of common sense. And this book is all about equipping you with the facts to push back and, 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 and showing when and how we've been successful. We can take America back if people remember who we are, remember what we believe, remember our values, because look, fatherless, godless, lawless, that is the agenda of the Marxist, but it is also the opposite of that is a roadmap for where we want to be. We want to be 
we want to return to being a country where family is strong, where you have a strong father and a strong mother. You want to, we want to return to a family that, that, that honors God and, 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 and that returns to America being a shining city on a hill. And we want to return to a country that is under rule of law, that no man is above the law, that you don't see the corruption of the Department of Justice and the FBI and the government weaponized the way we have. And all of that takes the citizenry being engaged. So let me encourage folks, go wherever you buy your books, go to Amazon, go to Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy your books and go buy Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America. It's a fun read. It's a good read. It brings you in on stories and it gives you the tools to fight to take our country back. Yeah, and the link is down there below. I, I love your common sense, Senator, and it really it makes you want to bang your head against the wall because you know that, just like you said, we know these people know that what they're arguing for is total nonsense. So yeah. hopefully we can turn it around. And if we do reverse those things, fatherless, godless, lawless, our country will be great again. So God bless you for what you're doing, Senator Ted Cruz. Thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time here on The Alec Glaze Show. Thank you, Alec. All right. It's an honor to have Senator Ted Cruz join me here on the Alec Lay Show. What did you think about the interview? Hit me in the chat down below. Leave a comment. Uh, let me know what you thought about it. Unwoke, How to Defeat Cultural Marxism in America is available down. The link to the book is down there. It is available right now. Uh, I, I think uh, Senator Ted Cruz is right on so many of these things that are, especially the parents are facing. And it's like we're so sick and tired of seeing this. And it's being shoved down our throats, whether we like it or not. And we're told that if we don't like it, that there's something wrong with us when it comes to all of this wokeness. We saw what it did with Target. We saw what it did with Bud Light. When the people respond with their voices, it makes an impact. Well, the people didn't respond on Election Day on Tuesday, and the results showed everywhere, right? Especially in these three most important states, Kentucky, Virginia, and Ohio, the, the Republicans were buried. Now, there's a big, there's a lot of reasons for this, I think. Number one is the, the low ver- voter turnout. People did not come out to vote. And that's a problem. Now, I said on Tuesday's episode, because this isn't one of those election years where there's a presidential election year, it's an off year, you're going to see this. And this is why it's important on these years to really storm the ballot box. As parents, you've got to get out there and do it. Unfortunately, not enough showed up, and we lost every every single key race. And now, one of these things, the big issue that's on the table is abortion. Abortion is what everybody on the right and the left is saying that costs the GOP. And so what the what the right, what the what the Republicans are going to have to do here is they are going to ha- now here's why I want to tell you why I think it's a kind of a good thing uh, that we got slaughtered here on Election Day. Why I think it's it's good in a, in a sense, the silver lining for this is because it will op- hopefully wake up the Republican Party to see what's coming in 2024. If we don't make some urgent changes here, there has got to be drastic changes in the Republican Party. And there especially has to be changes in our messaging. The Democrats are out earning uh, by a long shot. They are spending more money on advertising because they are raising more money. Their fundraising far outdoes the Republican fundraising. And, And not for nothing... We constantly hear about Soros-funded DAs, Soros-funded Antifa, Soros funds BLM. We always hear about Soros. He's this billionaire guy that's just hell-bent on destroying America. Okay, so we hear about him all the time. Where are the billionaires from the right? Where are the billionaires that are Republicans that can help fund all of this stuff? Because when you think about capitalism, people usually think about the Republican Party. 
So people usually hate capitalism and they always tie it to the Republicans. Oh, capitalism is for the rich. We see AOC eat the rich. We hate the rich. Everybody on the left hates the rich. But all these rich people, Zuckerbergers and uh, uh, George Soros, they're massive. Look at that, that Sam Bankman freed, although all the money was a fraudulent, another billionaire. All these billionaires are funding the, the Democratic Party, all the ones that are for hating the, the, the rich. But they keep saying the rich are on the Republican side. Where are they? Where, where are the pockets? Why aren't they funding any of these campaigns? Where's our George Soros that's looking to bring freedom back to America? Where is this guy? Don't we, we have all the capitalism on the right. There's no billionaires that are funding all the DAs. Where is our guy? I mean, I, I don't know, you know who it is, but somebody out there in the Republican Party or on the right has got a ton of money, sitting on a ton of money that could be helping out these candidates or helping out the cause, and they're not doing it. Why? That's the question. If all the billionaires are supposed to be conservatives and capitalists, well, then where the hell are they? So that's for one. The, the left is far outweighing us when it comes to the funding. And they are outdoing us when it comes to the messaging. The messaging from the Democrat Party is strong when it comes to abortion. They're telling you they're, that the, the, the Republicans are, get your hands off of my body. My body, my choice. They're trying to destroy women's health care. And they're adamant about that. That's the messaging. It's just as strong as their gun messaging when they talk about gun debates. They're saying they have it the the soft way. They say, oh, we're not coming to take all your guns away. We just want sensible gun laws. Their messaging is far better to their base than the Republican Party is, and especially to those people down the middle. Now, we know damn well that the, the, the Republican Party is weak when it comes to their messaging, especially when it comes to abortion. You have got people in the Republican Party that don't know their ass from their elbow when it comes to the pro-life movement. They don't know if they, they don't know if they support 10 weeks. They don't know if they support 15 weeks. They don't know if they support 24 weeks. They don't know what they support. A quarter of the Republican Party supports uh, uh, 15 weeks. A quarter supports 24 weeks. A quarter supports up to the end. No, nobody knows what. There, we're not, there's no unity whatsoever on this issue. You have to go all in on the pro-life movement. You cannot give up an inch when it comes to this. And so you just have to make that statement. This is your stance and live by it. If you're not going to do it, then cut bait and get out of the whole conversation. If you're not willing to fight and die on the hill and die on the vine for it, then don't even bring it up. Then walk away with your tail between your legs. You, they make it sound as if there's never been a pro-life candidate ever elected to office. But Donald Trump was. Donald Trump was the most pro-life president we've ever had in the history of this country. The only one that ever marched in the March for Life parade, for God's sakes. The guy put pro-life uh, conservatives on the Supreme Court that got Roe v. Wade overturned. So stop thinking that you can't win by being pro-life. That type of messaging is, is killing us. And killing the babies, by the way. And the left is supporting all of this. They're, they're celebrating all the way. Now we saw in Ohio that now they, they've got their abortion, which, by the way, goes to contradict everything they told you, the fear-mongering that went into when Roe v. Wade got overturned. They told you, oh, my God, women can never get an abortion anymore. It's illegal now. Look what they took away women's rights. But everyone was trying to say, or the sensible people were trying to say, no, it goes back to the states. That's what this does. This puts it back in the hands of the states. That's all that the Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision did. And we saw now in Ohio, the people voted, and now they got what they wanted. They can murder their babies and feel good about it. And now they can smoke pot and be high while they do it, because they also passed the law to make marijuana legal. So the Democrats are laughing high off marijuana all the way to the abortion clinic and murdering their babies. And that's exactly what they wanted and called for. 
The messaging from the right on this has been terrible. They're not out front. They're not in your face. Again, I'm going to use the gun debate here. Whenever there's a shooting anywhere, the Democrats are immediately on social media. They're immediately on the news. They're immediately calling for gun control. We have to be that type of dramatic when it comes to the abortion debate. You have to be right out there, right out front. You've got to show these images of what is happening during these abortions. You've got to be bold about what is happening. And, 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 to, the, and to the left who says, oh, this is just a clump of cells, right? The same scientists call it a clump of cells that told you uh, that, you're, that COVID was going to kill you. The, the same scientists that said, wear a mask. These are the same scientists that are telling you it's a clump of cells. They've been wrong on everything, and they're obviously paid shills for the left because all the money seems to be coming from the left. And so they get the messaging out there. These are human babies that are being destroyed and murdered in the womb. Either stand up for it or don't. Stop with the mixed messaging on what you think is possible. To get together, get a statement, figure it out, and be all in on it. Another thing they got to do is get all together on a candidate. Now, we're going to get into this debate that happened here last night. But right now, you saw the results here on, on Election Day. The Trump DeSantis thing that's going on has got to stop immediately. Stop it. DeSantis, in my opinion, should drop out of this race, throw his support behind Donald Trump, and let's move forward with this. Now, the debate happened last night. Vivek Ramaswamy absolutely smoked the field, in my opinion. Smoked them. Came out guns blazing within minutes of the debate starting. Called out the GOP for what it is, and he just went off on a tear. But we cannot keep having this because all we're doing is giving the Democrats more fuel. We're giving them more ammunition. We're giving them up the weak spots. And that's what we're doing here. We got to have unity inside the GOP. And people are so, if it wasn't for Trump, there'd be zero chance of taking down Joe Biden. Joe Biden's got to be the worst freaking president we've ever had in the history of this country. And it's like we're defenseless to stop him. We can't beat that guy. How can we not beat Joe Biden? So we have got to get together and get Trump on the ticket, on the nomination right now, and and everyone's got to get behind him and support him. Drop out like Pence did. Like, that's it. It's over. There, there's, there's zero chance. Now, I know DeSantis is hoping, and I love Ron DeSantis, great governor, yes, all this other stuff, yes. He's waiting for Trump to go to prison and not and be taken off the ballot. That's the only women a prayer and a Hail Mary that he has of winning this thing. And all these people online that are these pro-DeSantis, oh, DeSantis will be the next president, they are absolutely delusional. They're not helping anybody but the Democrats, giving them more fuel for when Trump is actually campaigning against Biden because they're going to pull out all of those old clips and, and just pin them right to Trump. They're going to have the Santa's saying all this stuff. They're going to make little videos about it. And that's what's coming. The more they talk, the more they open their mouth, the more that they're giving ammunition to the Democrats. And how sad is it that if, if Trump, there's, I don't think there's any chance. If Trump's not the nominee for whatever reason, they, they, they uh, end up JFKing him or they end up putting him in prison or, or they somehow get his name off the battle or, or, or he has a heart attack. The only way is that he's not the, the nominee. But if he's not the nominee, I don't think we have a chance of beating Joe Biden. That's how sad it is. And we saw on Election Day, now we saw in Kentucky, the thing that made no sense was that the governor uh, loses, right? He's a Trump-endorsed candidate for governor. He loses. But the Republican that ran for attorney general and the Republican that ran for secretary of state win handedly. Look at the graphic here. They win hands down. They blew away the opposition for secretary of state and for attorney general. Red and red. But for governor, everyone voted blue. Does that, how does that make any sense? Why in the world would people vote for a Democrat governor and then a Republican secretary of state? 
and a Republican attorney general. Overwhelmingly. It's not like it was close. It was overwhelmingly. So what in the hell happened there? Now, I know we could say, I smell a rat. Could this be fraudulent? Was there election fraud? I think absolutely, 100% there was. The problem is that messaging is weak as well now. Was the 2020 election stolen? If there was a gun to my head and we could find the real answer, I would say 100% it was stolen. But what good is this doing us now? We're still fighting in the past. We've got to do something now to change this for the future so it stops happening. If it is happening, find it. Get it on candid camera, just like Dinesh D'Souza did with 2,000 mules, and show what you got. Other than that, it's no, it's no use. We saw in Pennsylvania, they had to stop voting because the, uh, uh, the machines were turning the votes. They were changing the vote from Republican to Democrat. We saw that going on, just like Mike Lindell said they were doing. So is there fraud? 100% there is. But we have got to overwhelm the ballot box completely here. The voter turnout sucked. When Trump's not running for something, the turnout sucks. That's basically what it is. So it's frustrating to see what's happening right now. But here we go. Uh, Let me bring up a few things from the debate last night. Now, again, I think Vivek Ramaswamy is the only person that was on the stage that has even a shot at becoming Trump's VP pick. The rest of the candidates here, Chris Christie obviously is only up there as a Democrat shill to take shots at Trump. He's not a serious candidate. He's there to just uh, mock Trump and say things about Trump, who was doing a rally at the same time, sold out, big crowd, the whole bit as usual. But Chris Christie is only there to throw shade at Donald Trump. That's it. Only reason for being there. Uh, Tim Scott, Senator, I, I, I love the guy. I think he's a great senator. Uh, I think he's well-spoken. He's, uh, he's a great uh, um, uh, orator. Whatever you want to say about Tim Scott, he's good. He's not the guy. It's not his time. He's not going to be the one. Could he be a vice president candidate? Maybe. But nowhere near as strong as Vivek Ramaswamy. Ron DeSantis, best governor in the country. He's done so many great things. We can learn a lot from what Governor Ron DeSantis has done down in Florida. Take examples and, uh, you know, success leaves clues. Ron DeSantis, what he was able to do down in Florida and turn that state completely red by his leadership should be, sh- should be commended and should be followed. Love Ron DeSantis. It's not his time. So he can be, the biggest thing he could do right now would be to step down and throw his endorsement behind Donald Trump. Nikki Haley, I, I, I don't think I don't think she's a serious candidate whatsoever. She, she you know, she seems fiery. She seems all this stuff. I, I don't know. I'm not into Nikki Haley. I don't think she's a, a legit candidate. I don't think she's a legit VP pick whatsoever. So I think, uh, you know, it's only a matter of time before she drops out as well. So Vivek Ramaswamy, here he was. I'm going to play you three clips. Here he is, his, his opening statement, which was an absolute banger, and I agree with talk about it on the other side of this. Uh, and then when he talked, he, he had the exchange with Nikki Haley. Uh, in in two different clips. We're going to talk about them on the end. Here they are. I think there's something deeper going on in the Republican Party here, and I am upset about what happened last night. We've become a party of losers at the end of the day. We have a cancer in the Republican establishment. Let's speak the truth. I mean, since Ronna McDaniel took over as chairwoman of the RNC in 2017, we have lost 2018, 2020, 2022, no red wave that never came. We got trounced last night in 2023. And I think that we have to have accountability in our party. For that matter, Ron, if you want to come on stage tonight, you want to look the GOP voters in the eye and tell them you resign, I will turn over my, yield my time to you. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. You think the Democrats, I mean, we've got Kristen Welker here. 
You think the Democrats would actually hire Greg Gutfeld to host a Democratic debate? They wouldn't do it. And so the fact of the matter is, I mean, Christian, I'm going to use this time because this is actually about you and the media and the corrupt media establishment. Ask you the Trump-Russia collusion hoax that you pushed on this network for years. Was that real or was that Hillary Clinton made up disinformation? Answer the question. Go. Mr. Ross. This is how we get our country back. We need accountability. You have the likes of Nikki Haley, who stepped down from her time at the U.N. Bankrupt or in debt is, was her family. Then she becomes a military contractor. She joins the board of Boeing and otherwise, and is now a multimillionaire. So I think that that's wrong when Republicans do it or Democrats do it. That's the choice we face. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first, or do you want Dick Cheney in three-inch heels? All right, Mr. In which case, we've got two of them on stage tonight. Thank you. In the last debate, she made fun of me for actually joining TikTok while her own daughter was actually using the app for a long time. So you might want to take care of your family first. Leave my daughter out of your voice. The next generation of Americans are using it. And that's actually the point. You have her supporters crapping her up. That's fine. Here's the truth. The easy answer. Right. Okay. So I think Vivek's opening statement there is spot on the money, calling out the GOP, calling out the chair. Right. Ronna McDaniel, a lot of people calling her out as well. She's done nothing. We continue to lose. We lose in 2018. We lost in 2020. We lost in 2022. That's enough to see to have the head of the GOP have to step down. That's it. You can't keep a losing record and stay there. They should shake that up and change it. Uh, Number two, his point that he is 100 percent right. That why is that why is there not? He says Joe Rogan and Elon Musk, but Tucker Carlson. Why why don't they have one of those guys hosting this debate? It's a Republican debate. You got Lester Holt and this other left wing lunatic hosting the debate. Why? And what he said is true. You would never in a million years ever see a Democratic run debate being hosted by Sean Hannity or by Tucker Carlson. You would never see it. Never in a million years. They would never allow it. So why do we allow it? Why do we allow these things to happen? Why wasn't Sean Hannity doing the debate? Why wasn't Tucker Carlson doing the debate? Joe Rogan, of course. Now, his point of having Joe Rogan or, or one of these guys or Tucker is because it'll bring the viewership. Tucker brings it, right? He'll bring the viewers, which is what you want, is eyeballs on the debate. You got Lester Holt uh, hosting a debate uh, with a bunch of people that are going to that are trying to be second place, the viewership is going to be down as it has been for all these debates. That's, and then especially you got Trump running a rally at the same time. No one's tuning in. Everyone's going to see the clips that are posted on X anyway. So why doesn't X host the debate? X should live stream the debate. We know Rumble live streams it, which is good. Do it on Rumble, right? Have Chris Pavlovsky run it on Rumble. Let Dan Bongino uh, d- monitor the debate. Wouldn't that make more sense than having Lester Holt monitor the debate? So Vivek is 100% right on that and for calling out the GOP. Now, he eviscerated Nikki Haley here, uh, which I think is right. Calling out that, you know, Vivek is, comes from another one of these positions where this guy was is rich and wealthy before he steps into the arena. He calls out Nikki Haley for not being having any money, becoming into getting into politics. And now, wow, look at me. I'm a millionaire. Like so many of these politicians are. And I think the American people are sick of seeing people that are just regular people that we elect go into office and then all of a sudden become multimillionaires while telling everybody that, oh, yeah, you got to work a little harder. 
well, wait a second. How come you you came in with a $100,000 salary and now you got $18 million in the bank? So people are sick and tired of that. Vivek called it out, which is good on him. Now, he came in with his own ammunition. He came in with his own money. That's why people like Trump. That's what people see the appeal in with Vivek Ramaswamy again. He's not going to be bought. He's not going to allow the lobbyists to buy him. That's the key. All right. And then, of course, now, this was the controversial. His last piece there, he goes after Nikki Haley's daughter. Now, should kids be brought into uh, the presidential debate? I don't think so. But I think what Vivek Ramaswamy did there uh, makes sense because he was pointing out the hypocrisy of Nikki Haley. And he ha- and she's one that's saying, calling him out uh, for being on TikTok. But if you're going to do that, you got You can't throw stones when you live in a glass house. There was no way for Vivek to point out that hypocrisy without saying, hey, wait a minute, your daughter's on TikTok, right? I don't know if this is her, her daughter follow him. I don't know. He mentioned it. He didn't attack the daughter. He just made a statement to show that you're a hypocrite. You're saying TikTok, sh- you're, hey, Nikki Haley saying your kid shouldn't be on TikTok while her kid is on TikTok. So Vivek pointed that out. I think it's justifiable to do it. The crowd booed. They didn't like it. And I get it. You know, you, anytime you bring up some somebody's kid, you're going to draw that kind of reaction. But I think, number one, the TikTok thing is stupid, in my opinion. I know I had Senator Josh Hawley here on the Alec Lay Show, also interviewed him on First Class Fatherhood. He's an advocate for getting rid of TikTok. Now, I agree that what's happening with TikTok is bad. There's no question about it. The algorithm is geared in America to keep you stupid, to keep you watching girls twerking, mostly underage, or watching some kind of stupid video where people hurt themselves, whatever it is. The algorithm, they got it down to a science on TikTok, where you scroll through, you're going to see these things that you want to see. They know what they're doing. And the Chinese people that control it are making sure you don't see anything educational. They make sure that they break through that gatekeeper in your mind and get right into it. And so, yes, I think that's bad. But I also think that every single social media app is the same. The reason why they don't like TikTok is because it's owned by China. And because now China has access to all all of our information. As if Zuckerberg isn't giving all that information away for billions of dollars. How do we know anybody? Who's got our information? Google, where all of our information is on there. The iPhone is made in China. Right. China, they're so worried about China getting your information from TikTok. They're flying spy balloons over the country. We're worried about TikTok. We are dependent on China for every single thing. We're talking about electric cars. Where are we getting the cobalt? Where where are we getting all the EV stuff? Who's buying all the EVs? China. Everything. We're addicted to China. We're like, oh, no, TikTok. We got to ban it. Stop with the ban on TikTok. You know, what we need is parents to sit down with their children and tell them you got to stay off this TikTok. If you have your children's phone, get the TikTok off the phone, monitor it. That's what you have to do. The parents got to be responsible for that. Right. Or Apple has got to be responsible for that. Not allowing kids access underage to get onto these social media apps, something like that. But to ban TikTok and not these other. Why not ban all the social media apps then? What's the point? It's all the same shit. It's poisonous stuff that's coming through. Social media has done so much damage to this country and to this world. Uh, now, has it done some good? Of course. It's a, it's a dichotomy. There's no doubt about it. But it's done more bad, in my opinion, than good. So that's what I think. I think the debates were won by Vivek Ramaswamy. I think he came to play. He prepped well. He spoke well. He, he had to interrupt constantly to get his point across because he was being attacked. The other four candidates were attacking Vivek every single second. Right? So Vivek, I think, held his own. And uh, and so obviously, the, the, I think all of it is a waste because Donald Trump is the nominee. I think maybe he goes with Vivek Ramaswamy as a vice president. I don't know. I don't know who he's going to pick. Would still love to see him pick Tucker Carlson. I don't know who it's going to be. 
All right. So that's it. That's my rant about the debate. That's my rant about the election. What do you guys think? Hit me in the comments down below. Let me know what you think about all this mess that we're in right now. And I pray to God that we can find a way out of it and win in 2024. Because right now we are picking our teeth up off the floor after election day. And again, I pray that the silver lining here is that we reevaluate the messaging and, and figure out another way here. Uh, going forward, especially when it comes to this abortion debate. We got to be in lockstep with our messaging about it. We got to go hard. We got to drive hard to the hole when it comes to our messaging. And the Democrats are better at it. They spend more money at it. So we got to get we got to raise more money. We got to do better with our messaging. And hopefully we can turn it around in 2024. Again, uh, uh, much respect and, and grateful for Senator Ted Cruz joining me on the podcast today. Let me know again what you thought about that interview down there. Who would you like to see next? Uh, I've got a, at least one guest lined up to join me here next week on the podcast. Follow me on X at Alec Lace to find out who that is. Or follow me on my locals. Uh, if you if you want to support me, support the show, you like what you're seeing, uh, the Locals channel uh, community is right there be- below this video on Rumble. If you're listening on Spotify, it's in the show notes in the description. Uh, we'd love to see you uh, over there. I will reveal next week's guests there first. Okay, so that's all I got for you guys. I will be back here on Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live right here on Rumble. Thank you guys for watching. Don't forget to follow the channel down there and help spread the word about it. Uh, it's Veterans Day weekend, by the way, before I go here, uh, thank you to all of you watchers, all you listeners out there who have served our country. Thank you for your service. The men and women who have uh, wore the uniform, we would not stand a chance in this world if it was not for you. I cannot say thank you enough. And if you want to hear uh, my interview that I did with uh, Tim Sheehy, who's running for senator in Montana, I, I had him here on the Alec Lay Show. I did a great interview with him about fatherhood. I just put that up yesterday on First Class Fatherhood. I'll put the link down in the description for that as well. Uh, Great to listen to over the Veterans Day weekend. Uh, Tim is a a former Navy SEAL, wounded in combat, highly decorated combat veteran. So if you want to check that out, I'll put the link down below. Again, thank you to all of our veterans out there. Uh, uh, Thank you for your service and for keeping our freedoms safe. And hopefully we can hang on to them. All right, that's all I got for you guys. Uh, Thank you for tuning in. God bless uh, all of you listeners and you parents out there. God bless our military and our veterans and our first responders. Uh, God bless America, and I'll catch you guys next week. You're listening to The Alec Lee Show. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The my pillow guy. And you're looking good. I'm still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. My Pillow 2.0. <gasps> wow, it's so soft and smooth. It's cool to the touch. How did you do that? Well, we took my pillow's patented fill and combined it with this new technology that we didn't have back then when I invented my pillow to bring you the best pillow in history, my pillow 2.0. Just like all of you, I never imagined that my pillow could get any better. That's why I haven't changed it in nearly 20 years. Then I heard about a revolutionary new technology and I knew I had to bring it to you all. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD to save 50% on the all-new MyPillow 2.0. You can also save $90 on the original MyPillow slippers. Get the luxurious Giza Dream sheets for only $29.98. And get up to 40% off on the Mattress Topper 2.0. Visit MyPillow.com. Use the promo code FATHERHOOD. Visit MyPillow.com. You're listening to The Alec Lay Show. The future is 
family.